Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you, and do tell your friends to subscribe as well. Besides nhte.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't despair if you don't see your favorite on there. Look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from outside of Detroit, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer who released a new album in September. Her music has been heard in major retail chains, in film, and on TV, such as the popular Hallmark movie Christmas on Honeysuckle Lane and Lifetime's hit show Dance Moms, as well as TLC's Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. This year, she has performed in Pennsylvania, Illinois, Michigan, and California, and this coming Sunday, December 1st, she will be performing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. She is a voting member of the Recording Academy and last month released a new music video that we will talk about today. You've been hearing a song of hers called Beautiful Truth. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Angela Predom. Well, thank you, and hello, everybody, and I'm happy to be here, Bruce, on Now Hear This. Thank you, Angela. Welcome to the show. Before we really get our sleeves rolled up, let's start by having you tell the listeners about the song of yours that we were just playing called Beautiful Truth. You know, that song is one of the more special songs I've written. Um, it, you know, I've noticed that most people, uh, you know, are very self-critical, you know, and we're always beating ourselves up in our heads. You know, we have these little negative voices and, uh, really the key to, to happiness really, and to, to everything good is to accept ourselves and love ourselves who, you know, for who we are. And so this song is about that beautiful truth is about learning to love yourself and accept yourself and to just stop always beating yourself up because we all tend to do that, you know, wish we would have done something different or we look at other people and think, you know, they're somehow better than us or, or something. Um, so, so this song is encouraging people to love and accept themselves and, and know that they are already everything that they want to be. Um, they, they just don't realize it. Mm. And is this a song that you wrote recently or is it one of those I've had it hanging around for years and been working on it? And, and also for that matter, did you write it by yourself or did you co-write it? I did write it by myself. And, um, you know, I work with some songwriting groups, so I got like little bits of feedback here and there, and it was sort of, a, you know, it was a process to write this song. I didn't just sit down and do it. You know, there were people that helped me tweak little things about it. But yeah, I I wrote it a couple years ago, and then, you know, it took me a little while to, to get it all, you know, recorded and everything. But yeah, you know, I, I knew it was a it was a special song, and I wanted to do it right, so I did take my time with it. So it's been a couple years, you know, in in the making. But um, but yeah, I, I 
really feel a strong connection to it. it you know, I'm, I'm really trying to say something that I want people to hear with this song. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, listeners, shame on me. I said that Angela is a multi-instrumentalist when I gave you all of her highlights in the intro, but specifically, Angela plays guitar and piano. So, Angela, I'm curious about your songwriting process. Maybe it varies from one song to the next. I'm probably biased because I'm thinking we're talking about beautiful truth here. But in general, do you write on the guitar? Do you write on the piano? What is your process? Well, the piano is my first instrument. Um, I, I learned to play that first when I was a kid, and then I took up the guitar, like, you know, later in life. And, um, I'm more comfortable on the piano and I I feel like being a piano player I feel like that instrument for me is just more suitable for composing mm. you know I mean do you play an instrument I play guitar Yeah so um so I mean on the piano you know you have all these fingers on there and you move one finger and it's it's a completely different chord and a different feel and so um and you can see the relationships between chords on the piano. So, so I wrote this on the piano, and because um, that's kind of where I prefer to write. Although sometimes, sometimes I'll write on the guitar if it's more of a, a rhythmic feel. Mm. Okay. But okay. I'm kind of a melody chord person, and so the way the melody and the chords interact with each other and their relationships to each other, and the piano is just really, um, it works for me for that. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you're not the type of songwriter who says, I really need to write something on guitar because I haven't in a while or because I'm writing for this album and too many of them are piano songs. It sounds to me like that doesn't that, that goes out the window with you. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I've been thinking that lately. I've been thinking, <laughs> you know, I really I have this really nice guitar that I got a few years ago. I got I got a Gibson guitar finally. I went through some ah. like cheaper ones and then I finally like found this really good deal on, on a, a nice Gibson J forty five and it's beautiful. It sounds great and and I think, you know, I don't I don't really play that enough. I, I should. I should play that more and, and yeah, maybe I should write on there. <laughs> And I've done Beautiful Truth. I mean, I, I've I've done Beautiful Truth live on the guitar. I mean, a lot of the songs I write, I, I kind of try to have them be adaptable. I can play them on either one because I'm kind of a purist with writing. You know, it's like if you think about a song that's been covered a whole bunch, like the song Yesterday, you know, by the Beatles, you know, the instrumentation is like not terribly important. You know, it's it's the words, it's the melody, and whatever else is going on, you know, the song is the song, you know. So, um, you know, I feel like the instrument isn't like a huge focus for me. I'm just sitting here with this big smile on my face this whole time because I'm thinking of, you know, guitar is my second instrument. I've always been piano first, but now I've got this wonderful Gibson J45 staring at me. And all of a sudden I'm on this guy's show and he's asking me and I'm going, you know, that voice has been in my head. Maybe that voice is in my head for a reason. <laughs> maybe I should maybe I should that, play the guitar is what you're that, saying. <laughs> and that Gibson is looking at you for a reason. Play me more. Right on me. Yeah. You know what? It's in it's in the room right now and it's looking at me. <laughs> it is nice. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the new album. Tell the listeners all about it, the title, the number of songs, and so on. Okay. Um, so my new album is called Love, and it was released on September 13th, um, just, you know, a couple months ago. And uh, there are 12 songs on here, and a few of them had been released as singles previously, like leading up to the album. But, you know, a lot of these songs just saw the light of day in September. 
And um, so the theme for the album is love, really. You know, I mean, I just kind of boiled it down to a simple common denominator and, you know, that, you know, love in the way of not necessarily romantic love, but um, like a hippie kind of love everybody. You know, I mean, Mm. positivity, you Mm -hmm. know, so it's about just positivity and, you know, an inspiration and, you know, just love is a good thing. You know, there's so many people so angry in the world right now and, you know, just kindness and softness and caring and compassion, you know, those are things I believe in. So, you know, that, that is the theme of the album. And you record yourself or, or do you go somewhere maybe in Detroit to a studio? How is the recording done for at least for this album, I guess? Well, I did this song uh, mostly in my home studio. Okay. And uh, I did go on location to, you know, I kind of, um, I did a lot of different things for this. I have a laptop and I brought that to a drummer who had an electronic kit because it was easier for me to go there. Uh. Um, So, you know, and like with these electronic drum kits, you just put a USB in into the computer and and then you know so so it's a real drummer but then there are samples um that are really high end you know recordings of of real drums so really so we just kind of you know his hits were you know these really great quality samples and um so you know I did you know a couple things off site but then I I recorded most of it in my home studio okay. as opposed to because you know something like drums you know that's something I would have paid for a traditional studio for because it's really hard to record acoustic drums you know it's like if you have a drum kit you know every every drum is mic'd and then there's overhead mics and there's like a bunch of microphones and I don't even own that many microphones for my own, you know, for my own purposes. So, so anyways, um, I, I thought that was kind of a cool, um, new digital way alternative to do this and it was low cost and it was, um, efficient, you know, and it was the skill of a real drummer. So, um, so yeah, it was, it worked out well. Well, and listen, I admire your dedication to this because so many people would have just used program drums. And so for you to say, no, I want an actual drummer and I'm willing to go to the drummer so that he's going to play electronic drums and having the knowledge that you just displayed of what it would take if they were acoustic drums. So I'm taking my hat off to you on all this because you could have mailed it in and just said, I'll just use program drums, stay home, stay comfortable. And 95% of the people listening won't know anyways. A couple songs I did program the drums, but a lot of the songs I, I have a real drummer. Um, you know, it just depends on the song, but most of them are real drummer. Yeah, and, um, that's great. You know, because the style that I'm playing, I mean, my genre, it's, you know, it doesn't cleanly fit into any genre. You know, it's it's a little bit jazz, a little bit blues soul, um, a little bit pop. You know, I mean, pop nowadays is mostly programmed, but but things like jazz and blues, you know, usually aren't programmed in soul. So, I mean, you know, a lot of the musicians that I work with and my background is real musicians, you know, organic, organic instruments and everything like right. that. So, right. you know, I just feel like I, I, you know, I just kind of want those little embellishments and those subtle little things that I wouldn't or couldn't program 
or somebody, you know, that's actually really skilled at that instrument would do, you know, so. And I know there's people out there listening who are going to want to know, so I will ask on their behalf, when you do go out with the laptop, what software do you like to record with? I use Logic, Apple Logic. Okay, as as do many, but I just wanted to get that on the record because I know there's a lot of people out there that are always clamoring to know what everyone else is using. So on a related note, at the end of today's show, we're going to play another song from the new album, one that features John Patrick Peters. So tell the listeners who he is and how you came to know each other. Okay, well, um, John Patrick Peters is a guitar player. He's a professional guitar player. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a funny story how I met him. Um, I met him at a a guitar center when I was buying a new keyboard for for gigging. I, I have... You know, I have a digital keyboard in my home studio, but it's it's not very portable. It, you know, it's a nice Yamaha digital, and um, it's heavy. So I wanted something just lighter and smaller I could bring around. So I went in there, and he he's a multi-instrumentalist too, and he was actually working at Guitar Center when he was in school. So this is a while ago. So he was in college for jazz, So mm. and he was in college for jazz guitar at Michigan State University. So anyways... He offered, you know, we were talking and he said that he's a guitar player and if I ever needed anybody for gigs and I was like, really? Okay. You know, so, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, he, you know, and he was pretty young at the time he's been out of school for, for a little bit now and he is, you know, working as a full-time musician. He plays with country bands. He plays with jazz people. He, he plays wherever and whenever he can. Um, and yeah, he's just very talented. He also plays the piano. And uh, so, you know, and people with jazz degrees, I mean, they know the hardcore theory and all that stuff. And I mean, I know I know a pretty good amount about theory from playing the piano, but I don't know. You know, there's a lot I don't know, you know, but, but he knows all that stuff. So if I ever, you know, need any, you know, assistance or like what's happening here with the music, he can you know, he's just very knowledgeable about that stuff. And I mean, he's a great player and he's a good person. And so I just, um, call him when, uh, you know, when he's available to play gigs with me, he, he plays gigs with me and I enjoy recording with him. And, uh, yeah. And like he did, uh, you know, a featured part on the track, Hey, Mr. Sunshine. So here's what I like about that story though. You mentioned that he said, Hey, you know, if you ever need anybody and you went, okay, And so (laughs) listeners, those of you out there listening who are up and comers and who are looking for those kind of opportunities, I think too many times it's too easy to say that as a throwaway line that you don't believe yourself. I'm going to say I play if you ever need someone, but I don't think you're ever going to really call me. So take some inspiration from the story that Angela just told and understand that somebody may come across you that you make that offer to that says what she said. Okay. And lo and behold, you're on her album, you're playing with her at her live shows. So just take that a little more seriously. And now here's another great teaching moment. Angela, you self-produce. So how long have you been doing that? And why do you choose to take that route instead of going out and finding a producer? Oh, yeah. I didn't want to to give away too much earlier when you asked me about where I record. Um, But yeah, I I do self-produce. And, you know, I'm so happy about that. I, I love this new album for that reason, because I... I produced it myself. This is my first, you know, this is my fifth album and it's the first one that I've produced entirely myself. And, um, 
you know, I had worked with other people in the past in the Detroit area. And, you know, I learned so much from them. I mean, I, I couldn't have done this a couple albums ago. But by working with people who are really good, I see how they work in the studio. I see what they do. I see how they think. And then I just realized, you know, and you got to know what you want, you know. So when mm. I write a song, you know, and to be honest, in the past, there were things that producers did with my songs that I didn't really super like. Oh. It's like, well, I mean, you know, you know, in my head, I heard something a little bit different. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but when you're working with a producer, you, I mean, you know, you're, you're paying them to go with their vision of it, you know? And, um, so I could make everything exactly how I heard it, exactly what I wanted. And, you know, like for, Hey, Mr. Sunshine, you know, I told JP, you know, and so you're directing the musicians, you know? So John Patrick Peters goes by JP and, you know, I, I had, you know, told him I wanted kind of a, kind of an Eric Clapton kind of thing with that Mm. kind of mellow and you know and so you know I got more comfortable directing musicians and you know and they'll say what about this what about that you know and you know we'll try some things and so I know what I want and so yeah I felt really empowered with it and um you know I gotta admit I spent a certain amount of time, you know, with tutorials and on YouTube and, you know, learning to do the technical stuff because I'm not the technical type of producer. You know, I'm not, um, I'm not, you know. Yeah. Musically, you're the producer, but you're not the engineer. And when you were the producer, so that's the, well, but I, I mean, I was, yeah, I was the engineer somewhat, you know, I mean, I set up the microphones and, and, you know, sure. I mean, I did the levels and things like that, but so I did all the tracking and then I sent it to a mixing and mastering engineer um, named Jim Kissling in gotcha. the Detroit area. Gotcha. And he did a professional mix and master okay. and I can mix, I can mix, but I feel like he's, that's all he does. And he's a professional audio engineer and he's actually mastered, mixed and mastered all of my music for uh. over 10, 10 years. So I really trust him. And I, you know, it's like, sometimes you just got to leave it to the pros because I really don't feel like, you know, it's like, it's, it's kind of like playing the guitar. You know, I'm not the greatest guitar player. I don't do leads. I just don't feel like putting the time into it, you know, honestly. And it's just like I don't feel like putting the time into learning all the audio engineering stuff because it's really technical. And I have a great amount of respect for the people that do that. So, yeah, I did. I mean, and I know a decent amount of the technical stuff. I just don't know all of it. Sure. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed, um, you know, producing everything myself. And um, it's good. It's It was a different role for me. You know, and and I really felt comfortable with it and I really liked it. But I had to grow into this role. You know, I had to do a few other albums with other people and other producers first. Exactly. And then and then I realized, you know, okay, I I can do this. I know what I want. You know, you you have to you have to work with good people. I mean, I it was important to me to work with good people that I trust, you know, musicians that I knew understood my style. Sure, sure. And something that you said before is important because what tends to happen is you get to a point where you're working with a producer and you're maybe not 100% on board with what they're saying, but you start telling yourself, well, they're the producer, so they must know what's best. And then you lay in bed at night wondering, should I have spoken up? And then your album comes out 
and someone that knows what they're talking about questions something and the voice inside your head says, see, that was the red flag you had with the producer. Whereas when you self-produce, it comes out and you're happy with it because you did do what you wanted done and it wasn't someone else's vision. And even if people don't like it, you can still feel good that what you put out was what you had in mind and what you envisioned when you wrote those songs. Exactly. The other clarification I wanted to make is John Patrick Peters. I kept seeing him referred to as JPP, and I couldn't stop thinking of Jason Pierre-Paul, who plays right here in Tampa Bay for our NFL Buccaneers. So I had to throw that in. (laughs) That's funny. Listeners, if you are self-recording, take a look at the long line of recording solutions from Tascam. This year, they released the Model 24 mixer as well as the Model 16. Both of these units feature a multi-track recorder, USB audio interface, effects, comprehensive mixing and routing capabilities, Bluetooth wireless. It's really an all-in-one mixing studio, if you will. And you can use these in live performance or a recording and production environment. So if you're someone who plays out a lot and or if you do your own demos, singles, EPs, even full albums, check out the Tascam Model 24 and the Model 16. Start at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M.com and then find a dealer. Three weeks ago on the Milestone 300th episode of the show, you heard Dax Nielsen, the drummer for Cheap Trick, giving Tascam the thumbs up too. Angela, we've been blessed to get listeners to the show from 149 countries around the world, and many folks subscribe to the show because they're up-and-coming performers themselves, and so they're coming to Now Hear This Entertainment to learn from me and my guests. One how-to question that I have for you is... In the intro, I referenced some of the song placements that you've gotten, and it said that you have achieved these successes on your own through uploading your songs into music libraries where producers can search for songs and buy the rights to use them. One service that springs to mind for me is Taxi, but which have you found to be most beneficial where you've had success getting placements? Well, taxi taxi is different. I mean, I think that, you know, people pay them and you get feedback, you know, but I've just uploaded these straight libraries and they don't give you any feedback, you know, Um, and there's no cost, you know, they just they just take the songs and I do have music in some libraries that have just sat there for years and years and years, you know, I mean, so it's just silent, you know, and nothing happens, but then other libraries, something will get picked up. Um, like this, this, um, holiday song that I have in, in the Hallmark movie that actually just is playing like 13 times a season, which is wow. great. It was on, it was on last night. Wow. Um, so that was done four years earlier, that song. And, um, you know, it was a Christmas song and, uh, that had a co-writer and it was just, you know, a song I did. And then I released a holiday EP called holiday Olio. Anyways, somebody, you know, the song was in a library and, and then I was contacted that somebody wanted to use it. So yeah, music libraries. I mean, you know, if you think about a library, like if you walk, you know, some of the books might sit there. There's just all these books sitting mm. on shelves, and at some point, somebody might need that one. So it's kind of like that. Yeah, you know? that's a great analogy. You can't you can't send it off and sit by the phone and wait. I yeah. mean, you have to send it off and forget about it. Well, and that's and that's great advice. And I like that you said that as much as you have had success getting some of them placed, you've also had a lot that you've sent off and just crickets. So it's important to oh, n- yeah. to know that balance so that 
the uneducated don't send it in and like you said sit by their email inbox going okay let's see what they say because that's not the case oh yeah no not at all i mean you know this business really takes a certain kind of personality i mean you have to really you have to be able to let the rejection roll off because there's a lot of it no matter what and early on i learned Early on, it bothered me, but then now later, I've been doing this. My first album was released in late 2008, so I've been doing this over 10 years. And now I've come to understand that it's not personal and it's not that your music is bad. You know, for music placement, like these licensing things, is it is it a good fit? Is it a good fit or not? And, you know, sometimes they want something really, really specific. And so... You know, I mean, some th- the the songs that I've had placed happen to be really good fits, and the people that are choosing them, called music supervisors, are just very good at what they do. You know, that's a good description. Yeah. Well, I think those same listeners who are up and coming performers would also like to know about the local and national songwriting groups that you're a part of. Is it NSAI or is it others, or or maybe it's NSAI and others? Um, well, I used to be a member of NSAI, and uh, I, I'm not active in that anymore, but I work with um, a songwriting group called Songtown. Songtown, I think they might be called Songtown USA, but they are a Nashville-based organization that's similar to NSAI, and you know, it's they have an international presence, but out of Nashville, and everything is online, and it's a really great resource. I mean, there, there are different um, forums and you can get, um, if you're a member, you get one professional critique a month, the song critique. Wow. But then there's, there's forums where you can just for free, you know, for no extra charge, you just get, um, feedback from peers and, you know, people connect to co-write there and people do long distance co-writes. And so as far as songwriting, um, that is the group that I'm active in. I, I also meet with a local group that isn't affiliated with um, anything like that. It's just like local songwriters that oh, know each okay, other. Okay. So, I mean, people can find groups in their areas. And, and actually, I first met some of these people through NSAI. And um, so th- those are good ways to to reach people. Okay, great. But Songtown great. also has some pockets of groups in different places, too. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, if you sing, do you make sure to go on vocal rest? Do you just sing because people have told you that you have natural born talent? Have you resisted having a vocal coach just because your ego won't let you? Your voice is your instrument. You want what's best for it and to do your best with it. If you've never worked with someone on voice lessons, best practices, proper vocal technique, and so on, make the investment in your career. It's way too important to just say, I'm good enough, or I've been singing long enough. You will notice an improvement. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? 
Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Angela, I mentioned back in the intro that you put out a new music video last month. It's for a song called Time for a Change. For openers with 12 songs on the album, how did you choose which song you wanted to make a music video for? And then talk about the actual production of the video, who you worked with, how long it took, maybe any cool behind-the-scenes stories or even lessons learned. Okay, well, that song... I don't know, um, the people listening, I don't know how well you know about the Flint water crisis, but, um, you know, here in Michigan, um, in the city of Flint, there was, there was a big problem with their water where, um, they, something happened with the city and they took out an ingredient in anti-corrosive. And so then the pipes leached lead into the water. So the whole city of Flint had lead in their water, which is really horribly dangerous, so they had to replace all the pipes in the city and it's still not quite done because it took, you know, and this was a couple of years ago, but it was a major, major undertaking. Um, so they've, they've done what they can to rectify it. So, but anyways, it was really kind of touchy politically because, um, you know, it was a, you know, Flint is a lot of it is kind of lower income area, like lower socioeconomic and, you know, a lot of different racial groups there. So um, a lot of people thought, well, this place that is where some, there's some people in poverty, they're getting forgotten about and nobody wants to spend the money to give them clean water. So anyways, I um, so I began writing Time for a Change about that, about the Flint water crisis. You know, the first lines of it are there must be something in the water that makes us turn a blind eye. Mm. And then I went to expand and, and I took it somewhere that was um, more universal, you know, um, just about, you know, negative things in our society and people, you know, having prejudices or problems with different groups or different religions or, you know, like a us versus them mentality. So the song is really about let's, we're all the same, you know, we really should be working together. Let's, let's, ha- let's be empathetic so Time for a Change is, is about that. It's about coming together and having compassion for people. But I started to watch that video, and I wonder, did you choose it because it would be easier to depict because you could show the local area? Um, well, meaning that well, it's, a lot more difficult, yeah. it's a lot more difficult to depict emotion as opposed to look at what the situation is here in Flint. So, so yeah, that's a good question. So I was really fortunate, you know, that video was so easy to do really mm. because I and my husband are both from, uh, like a media background. Like uh. we met working, we met working in a newspaper. Okay. So, and he works for a, a Detroit T- TV station now, but, um, anyway, so we know people in the business. And so there was a photojournalist that lives in Flint who's like a friend and wow. he had all these he had all these pictures and he was freelance so he owned his own images as wow. opposed to working for the newspaper so he owned his images and i said hey i'm going to do this video you know can you send me some pictures and he, so he just donated his photos and um you know which are which was an actual photojournalism assignment from a major newspaper um those ran in the detroit news 
Um, so anyways, I had access to these great photos that were authentic. And then um, I another friend of mine that was in that I worked with at a newspaper a while ago, he does drone footage. He, he you know, yeah. takes his drone above different cities. And so I emailed him, was like, do you have anything of Flint? And he said, yeah, I do. Wow. So he let me use his Flint stuff. And then, um, you know, this this photojournalism friend gave me his photos. And uh, so then my husband and I just drove up there. I'm about an hour from Flint. Okay. We just drove up there and we took video of me okay. driving around. And, and, you know, you know, it's actually harder to, to sing, like be, be lip syncing and paying attention to driving than you would think it is. Cause like there would be a stoplight and it's like, okay, okay, we're going to stop, you know, and it's like, you don't want to be sitting there at a stoplight for a while. So, and then paying attention, it's like, I'm trying to sing and, and look cool. And, wow. you know, it's like, okay, I have to watch out for these pedestrians or something. You there know? you go. There, there are the lessons <laughs> learned, listeners. And if this was a video podcast, as she was talking, it would have been flashing at the bottom of the screen, results not typical, like they show on commercials. Yeah, because, you yeah. know, obviously there's going to be some discouraged listeners out there right now saying, darn it, I don't know a photojournalist, and I don't know what this, and I don't know what that, you know, someone with a drone and things like that. So... You know, it, it was easier well, for you to do I the had. video, but yeah, yeah. You well, you what you did is you leveraged your contacts, so that was yeah, that was really valuable. You just gotta work. I mean, you just gotta work with what you have, and you're. I mean, that's the cool thing about videos; they can be anything. You know, they can be anything, and and you know, a lot of really great stuff is done just with phones. And um, I've seen some really great um, super low budget videos. Just people go to a cool location, they kind of move the phone around, and you know, with somebody lip syncing and it's fine, yeah. you know, and then you can cut in other pictures and cut in some other things. And yeah. And the cameras on the phones have gotten so, so, so much better that it is more realistic to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not music videos aren't held to the same standard as like, you know, as music Hollywood videos. Of the, well, and as the same standard of music videos in the 80s and 90s. You know, when, when yeah. MTV was so big and all MTV was, was music videos, it's like, okay, we really have to place some importance on these. And now, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen, but everybody's doing them. And it, the the barrier of entry is so low, there it is so accessible that people are doing them fast. And when I say fast, I mean the production time is less, but they can also put them out more frequently. So they don't need to invest a huge budget and a huge amount of time to get it right because they're going to have a good looking video when they're done and they're going to be able to do another one very shortly thereafter. Yeah. And I did, um, actually my daughter edited this together. Um, I, I can edit somewhat, but she had, um, you know, she's a little better of an editor than I am. So she edited stuff together. We worked together on it, but you know, I've used iMovie. I mean, I've done, you know, my own lyric videos and things like that. And uh, gotcha. You know, there are cheap programs. You know, we also have Final Cut. We did that in Final Cut, which is a professional program. But you can yeah. do a lot in, like, cheaper free programs. I mean, the yeah, you're right. The barrier to entry is is really low. And, you know, it's it's art. And they're independent musicians. You know, people don't expect it to look like L.A., you well, know? Well, and like you said before, you use what you have. So... Yeah, yeah. Um, Angela, let's start checking some things off a list here for you to cover. First is, talk about your having overcome severe stage fright. When was that? And, of course, what did you do to overcome it? 
Yeah, that's great timing that you asked that because that ties in with the video um, because I've been making music for over 10 years, making original music, and I was terrified to do a video. Wow. Um, you know, I don't consider myself like on camera talent, you know, I mean, like some people who are actors, you know, they have the look and everything. And I mean, I'm a musician, you know, I'm a singer. I mean, I've worked hard at this and I'm a creative professional. I'm not, I don't feel like I look, you know, like magazine cover and, you know, I'm like middle age and it's like, oh gosh, you know, if I was 25 and had a perfect body, I wouldn't mind, you know, but, but I'm human, you know? And, uh, so I was just really uncomfortable with it, but I, I overcame that and I did these videos and I tried my best to look okay. And luckily there's things like filters and whatever, you know, <laughs> but, um, but so anyways, um, yeah, about the stage fright, I, you know, my first instrument was piano and I was terrified to play in front of anybody as a mm. kid. I mean, I did not want to play in front of people. I just was very, very uncomfortable with it. And, um, you know, I, when I started doing this, I didn't start singing until I was almost 30 years old wow. and I never sang as a kid. Never. I wasn't in a choir. None wow. of that. I wow. was like kind of relatively introverted and I was, you know, a musician, you know, I played the piano sure. and, and then I took up the guitar and I thought, well, you know, it's easier if you sing with that because I didn't want to have to play all the melodies <laughs> and stuff. And, and, you know, and then I got some positive feedback from like guitar teachers that I sounded pretty good. And, you know, really, and then I did an open mic and I was trembling. I mean, I was mm. shaking at this open mic and I got a lot of really positive feedback. So I kept getting positive feedback. And then so so I just made myself do it, you know, and then I got um, I got some professional, you know, I got did some classical voice lessons. Uh. So I really felt more confident in my ability to yeah. sing yeah. and um you know, so so I guess building up my skills and just doing it, just doing it. And, you know, I'm still nervous. I mean, when I get in front of people, I'm definitely nervous. I just can fake it well. Um, <laughs> but I'm nervous every time, every time. But so those know? open mics that you talked about, that was in you were in your 30s, you're saying when you yeah. were doing those open mics and being nervous. Well, that's that's encouraging for the listeners out there who are saying it's too late for me. I've been stage fright for x amount of years so obviously angela just proved that that doesn't matter you can still overcome it i am joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line from outside detroit by singer songwriter multi-instrumentalist and producer angela Predom. visit her official website at angelapredom.com and i will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Of course, you can also look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of her name so that you can visit her website. Once you are on angelapredom.com, you will find lots and lots of content as well as links to Angela's social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Her music is available just about anywhere, Spotify, Apple Music, which is iTunes, Pandora, Amazon, and even on SoundCloud, which of course is one of the many platforms that this show is available on. This coming Sunday, December 1st, she will be playing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. 
She's even booked as far ahead as January 10th in Cincinnati, Ohio. Keep up with Angela online so you can see where and when you can go see her perform live. I wonder, we were talking about video. Have you seen the new video by now that I put up on the Patreon page for this show? Check it out. Go to the show website, nhte.net, and click on the orange Support Us on Patreon button. After you watch the video, please consider what you can afford as well as what you feel you get from the time that I put in to bring you a new episode of this show week after week, month after month, year after year. The educational value, the entertainment value, the great guests, and so on. Whatever you feel most comfortable giving, I greatly appreciate it. By the way, now that it's the holiday season, be reminded that any shopping that you do through Amazon at all, if you start at nhte.net and click the tall Amazon banner there, it will open the Amazon app on your phone or their website on your computer And once you complete your transaction, they will kick back a percentage of the sale to my show at no extra cost to you. If you take that one extra step, you can help me out financially instead of going to the Patreon. Angela, you have some thoughts that I'm interested to hear about social responsibility, especially for people in the public eye. Oh, yeah, I'm glad that you you mentioned what you just did, because I'm definitely going to, you know, hit hit your website before I do my Christmas shopping on Amazon. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. um, So so social responsibility, I feel like, um, you know, if only a few people hear my music or if a wider amount like like with this Hallmark movie or Dance Moms, those are heard by millions. And the thing is, when I was writing those songs, I had no idea. You know, mm. I had no idea that many people would hear. But you don't know how many people are going to hear your songs. And the thing is, nowadays with the digital thing and, and the Internet, it's so permanent. You know, somebody could find your music years later mm. and it's a representation of you. And but not only that, so you're affecting people. And it's like if you have a megaphone and you're talking to a big group of people, I mean, are you really going to complain? You know what I mean? Like there, there's wow. so many things people can say that, you know, you can you can affect people in a way that kind of brings them down or it, or like commiserates with them or you can affect people in a way that is a positive example and brings them up. And mm. uh, so I, I'm i more on that way of thinking, you know, it's like I am a parent and, you know, I know that example is everything, you know, so that's great. If, if people see that, oh, you know, well, I heard this song about, you know, overcoming this hardship or about, you know, getting the courage to do what you really want to do or loving yourself and, you know, that could make that could make a difference to somebody. Yeah, yeah, you know? I like that. So, I, so I'm always aware of that. Yeah, I like that. And you touched on something else that I wanted to bring up. Back on episode 295, Eileen Carey talked about her Music Mom blog. Angela, looking at iTunes, you've got releases that go all the way back to 2008. So you've been at this for a while. You mentioned it yourself already as we've been talking. Talk about balancing career and family, though. Um. Well... It's easier now that my kids are a little older, but when I was starting, I started all this, like, I started playing the guitar when I was pregnant with my second child, and, you know, and when she was sleeping as a baby is when I would practice and stuff, (laughs) and uh, so anyways, um, 
it, it was it was hard, you know. I mean, it, it was a delicate balance, but I, you know, my husband was a big help in helping me get time away to do the music. Mm. And um so really it's it's tricky. It's a tricky balancing of time and, you know, budgeting your time and really make making it important, you know. It's like if people don't really want to do this, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? I mean, music is not the easiest field. And it's like, I wanted to, you know, so I I couldn't wait to like, okay, so when somebody else is watching my kids, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to write these songs. I'm going to record these songs. Uh. And, and I mean, I really wanted to. And, you know, if it feels like people would rather do something else, then, then they just should do something else. You know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah. it's like... But yeah, if you're passionate, I mean, and I encourage, you know, any parents to find the time to follow their passions, you know, even if it's an hour after the kids go to bed or, you know, or just some other time, you know, it's like people should definitely follow their creative pursuits, you know, whether it's music or or something else, you know, because you got it, you got to keep yourself, you know, you can't lose yourself in being of service to other people and sacrifice. I mean, I don't think we're meant to sacrifice who we are for other people. You know, I mean, you have to preserve yourself and follow your own path and, you know, of course not be selfish, but that's why it's balancing, you know. Listeners, if your work play balance includes doing some traveling and more specifically going to Las Vegas, you want to be reading what I read regularly, and that's the Access Vegas newsletter. It has insider tips to get the most out of your time in Las Vegas. For example, you know probably by now, if you've been listening to the last several episodes of the show, that I have a speaking engagement in Las Vegas in April. Well, as much as I know that I'll spend some time on the Strip, I guess I'm going to be heading downtown too now that I read in Access Vegas that downtown is continuing to offer looser slots, lower limits, and generally better table game rules. I also learned from reading Access Vegas that Christina Aguilera, Lionel Richie, and Billy Idol have all added dates in Las Vegas for their 2020 calendars. By the way, another cool aspect of Access Vegas is that you can submit questions to the editor, and then he publishes them with his answer. So regarding downtown, a reader actually wrote in and asked him, what is the best time to hit the Fremont Street experience? So I was very interested to read that answer. Anyhow, go to my show website, nhte.net, click on the Access Vegas logo, and use the promo code BRUCE at sign up to get $5 off. Again, nhte.net, the Access Vegas logo, and then the code BRUCE to get 5 bucks off when you sign up. Angela, as I mentioned, you've been able to have success for a while now in the business, but the fact of the matter is you're having to do so as a woman in what is considered a male-dominated field. Talk about that. Well, you know, it's funny because I just, um, you know, firmed up my my membership in an organization called uh, She Is The Music. And mm. so there are groups you know, I, I like to find sort of camaraderie with other female musicians and producers. So she is the music. Um, I think it was either started by or has a lot to do with Alicia Keys. Ah. Um, so and it's it's not just like performers. It's it's women who are doing, you know, a little more of the technical stuff or their managers or, you know, they're like involved in the music business in the way other than just like singing or something. Um but yeah, so so I'm happy to be, you know, a member of She Is The Music and um, also, 
you know, as a woman, you know, honestly, it's like um, sometimes I get treated better, you know, being the only girl in the room. Uh You know, sometimes the guys will, you know, everybody wants to open the door for me kind of thing. But um, but then that works the other way, too, where I've dealt with some sexism and, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I just have kind of learned to live with it. And, uh, you know, it's I mean, it's good and bad, you know, I mean, I guess I feel like gender, I mean, you know, it's kind of secondary, you know, even though some people see that as like really prominent. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just try to do the best music I can. And I feel like that a lot of the musicians that I know happen to be male and we have that in common that we just want to do the best music we can. It's like, and they don't, they don't care what I look like or how old I am or or if I'm male or female, you know, it's like, if you have a common goal of making good music, um, those are the people that I work with. I mean, if there are people who are, if there are people who it's a big deal that I'm a woman, I wouldn't work with them. Well, and you you just said yourself a minute ago that if there's something that you're passionate about, go for it. And so in your case, you are passionate about creating music. So you're not going to let it stop you. You recognize that it is considered to be a male dominated industry, but you just work within that anyways. And you apply your passion to create the best music that's within you. Yeah, I mean, I was born to do this, you know, I mean, I was writing songs when I was four years old, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, I'm a musical person, you know, and some people, some people envy that. And, you know, I'm kind of beginning to really appreciate that. But I mean, you know, it's not like I was born with this big passion to be a doctor or, or the president or, you know, change the world, you know, I mean, so many people are out there like Oprah, you know, I mean, I'm just a musician, you know, it's like, it's not the easiest field. It's a really difficult field. (laughs) You know, somebody that's passionate about like the medical field would have a lot easier time financially, you know, or passionate about finance. It's like, Oh, I want to go work on wall street. You know, if that's in your blood, you're going to have an easier time, you know? So um, music is more of an uphill battle when it comes to the practicality of, of income. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's who I am. That's how I was born. You know, I also went to art school. I'm also an artist. So yeah, it's just a, I'm a, I'm a creative person and that's just who I am and this is what I do and it is what it is. Good stuff. Good <laughs> stuff. Well, we're out of time. We're going to close today with another song from the new album, one called Hey Mr. Sunshine. Before we let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Okay, well, um, first I want to say uh, thank you for having me, Bruce. It's been really fun. My pleasure. And uh, so Hey Mr. Sunshine is a song, um, it's, you know, it's kind of my own version of a jazz standard. So I wrote this with those kind of old ideas in mind of like mm. jazz standards. And it's, it's you know, the the composition is you know, kind of old style, you know, 40s kind of jazz standard. Um, And, you know, I like the feel of it. It has kind of a soulful feel. And so the guitar player um, does a lot of lead, lead parts on it, you know, like I mentioned before, like kind of with an Eric Clapton type of feel. And, you know, it's just a feel good song. It just, you know, it feels really good to me. Hey, Mr. Sunshine is more about the music. Um, whereas the other one you heard, uh, Beautiful Truth, is more about the message and the lyrics. Uh. And, you know, this Hey Mr. Sunshine 
you know, the, the lyrics are, are fine, but this song is not about the lyrics. It's, gotcha. I mean, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool vibe. Gotcha. You know? That's a nice distinction. Thank you for, for explaining that. Angela, oh, it's, been, it's been great to talk to you. Nice to meet you virtually and continued best wishes. Well, thanks. Thanks, you too. My pleasure. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and producer Angela Predom. Do visit her official website at angelapredom.com. As I mentioned before, I will put a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. And then once you hit her website, you can even find more about her and then also access the icons to interact with her on social media, those being Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Tell Angela that you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Remember that she will be in Grand Rapids, Michigan this Sunday, December 1st, and in Cincinnati, Ohio on January 10th. But keep up with her online to see where and when you can go see her perform live as she continually adds new dates. And again, Angela's music, including, of course, the new album, Love, is available just about everywhere. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Pandora, Amazon. And again, speaking of Amazon, whether you're shopping from them to get Angela's music and or anything else at all, do please start at nhte.net. Click on the tall Amazon banner and go from there. At no extra cost to you, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me, which helps out with the many expenses I have in relation to this show. If you're curious as to what those expenses are, by the way, email me via podcast at nhte.net. I'm more than happy to have that conversation with you. In fact, you can help support this show more directly via the Patreon. There is a new video, as I mentioned before. I posted it recently. And, of course, details about getting involved with that from the nhte.net website. Choose the orange Support Us on Patreon button, and that will take you to the page where there's all kinds of information and the ability for you to sign up. I'd really appreciate your help in exchange for hopefully the value that you feel I'm giving you every week. I'm just a one-man operation, and getting support from the listeners means a lot, and it helps a lot. For now, that will do it for episode 303. We'll send you out today with another song from Angela Predom. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Hey Mr. Sunshine. <laughs>